podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hello, everyone. This is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. What are we talking about today, Jane? Well, I'm pretty excited today. Are you? I am a little bit excited because we that? are going to be talking something about something very close to my heart. As you, okay. as most of the listeners know, we come from very different backgrounds. Yeah. I come from the nonprofit sector and a couple of decades there, whereas you come from the financial services. And yeah, that's right. Highly corporate. Yes. And so today we we've mentioned in a couple of episodes about the how there's so many similarities between uh, the nonprofit sector and actually what can you learn about it and. Uh, today we're going to be talking to someone who specialises in volunteer management okay. and asking some questions about what do you do and how do you, you manage and engage and motivate people when you aren't paying them Yeah, okay. and when they don't have to show up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of important in terms of the context of the series that we're in because we're focusing on behaviours and obviously the behaviours of volunteers are different potentially from the behaviours of people that you pay in your organisation, right? Yeah, so we've had we've had a few episodes now, which hopefully loads of you have listened to, around how to change behaviours and about how you build trust and about habituation and goal setting and things like that. Yeah. Um, and really this is about putting a different slant on it and saying, you know what, when you don't have the normal levers that we're also reliant on, yeah, like wages, like, like bonuses, things like that, how do you do it? How do you engage people to You've change their behaviour? I guess, I don't know, right? You, well... So we'll the person we've got, we'll the person out. we've got today, certainly is creative. I should also add that I'm super excited because this person is the reason we know each other. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, the person we've got joining us is an old old friend of mine, uh, who's also a, f- a, a friend of yours, mm-hmm. and uh, suggested that we have a chat way back when. Yeah, and that so led I, to this, so we all know uh, who to blame. That's true. That's true. So when when she introduces herself later in the episode, listeners, you'll be able to uh, find out who she is, and then yeah, you can blame her exactly. for the creation of the World of Work podcast. Oh, um, right. well, I'm happy about it. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, her name's Laura, um, Laura Hamilton, and she's got an organisation called Laura Hamilton Consultant Consulting that looks at this type of work. That's right. Um, um, so yeah, we're gonna. Uh, move on to that but before we do probably worth mentioning to people how they can get in touch with us yeah, as okay. we always do Okay. so uh, if you want you've got thoughts about this episode if you want to get in touch want to see what we're up to there are a number of ways you can get in touch right. uh, you can email us on jj at thewowpodcast.org right, you can go it. to our website yep. www.thewowpodcast.org where you can also sign up for the wow mail yes but I would say the easiest way to get in touch with us, as always, tweet, 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 tweet yeah, at, the at the Wow Podcast. Yeah. So uh, we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, if you want to come find us. But those are the, the, the Twitter is where we get the most engagement. And thanks to all our Twitter listeners. Yeah, and, and, and one other thing to shout out, if, if you do listen on iTunes, can you just press the like review button? Because it's helpful for us in terms of visibility and all that kind of stuff. And also, I mean, it, it makes us feel good sometimes as well. Yeah, James, so I, 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 like I should say, listeners, James gets very, very excited every time we get a new review Ooh, on uh, iTunes. So feel free to make his day because yeah. he, he immediately sends me texts and lets me know. Uh, maybe I'll take a little picture and text it to there you or, or send it over on WhatsApp or something. All right. Okay, great. Shall we, um, shall we maybe introduce our guest? Yeah, He's been very yeah. patiently sitting here Let's waiting to Let's do that. Talk. Let's do that. So who is it? Are we going to give her space to talk? Uh, maybe. Uh, so, Laura, Hi. Welcome. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and what your business does? Okay, so my background is in managing volunteers. I worked as a volunteer manager um, within the charity sector for around 18 years. 
um, and that was um, with both infrastructure organisations, so um, like volunteer centres, and also um, latterly I worked for an HIV charity um, based in Manchester, um, managing their volunteer programme. Um, so I guess I've got a really long-standing interest in yeah. working with volunteers. Um, I'm really passionate about the difference that volunteers can make in the world and the difference that volunteers make in organisations, um, both in terms of the impact of their work, but yeah. also in terms of how they help co-create the culture within an organisation. Oh, that's an interesting um, view on it, isn't it? And I'm quite interested in that. Um, I've been working freelance since 2017, so I now support mainly small and medium sized charities um, and organisations to improve and develop their volunteer programmes, to cool. grow their volunteer programmes and I offer mentoring, coaching and training for volunteer managers as well. Um, wow that sounds like a lot, you sound yeah. busy. I'm busy, I am also a relationship therapist. Oh. So, um, and that's, that's something that I've been, I've been qualifying in over the last couple of years, just qualified back in the autumn um, and it dovetails quite nicely in a way with yeah. this world of volunteer management because um, a lot of effective volunteer management involves building really good relationships. Okay. So I think that's also informed my understanding a little bit yeah, of yeah, yeah. how those relation relationships are created um, and also perhaps what we can do when things go wrong okay. in those relationships. That sounds really interesting. We yeah, should definitely, yeah. we're going to pick that up later because I think that relationship, that, especially the relationship between relationships or the yeah, similarity between yeah, 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 yeah. personal relationships mm -hmm. and and whether that workplace relationship, whether it's a volunteer one or whether it's a, a paid staff member is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, oh, exciting so, stuff. Right, yeah, where should so, we start? Some really good stuff. In there. Um, I guess, you know, most of our conversations today or my contributions have been about uh, predominantly paid individuals and organisations and some of that management and mm -hmm. what it's like to be in those situations. I guess it might be good to start by trying to get your thoughts on what do you think is different about managing paid staff versus mm -hmm. managing volunteers? Have you got any thoughts? So I think probably the first thing to say is I think there's a huge amount of overlap and there's a okay. huge amount of similarity in terms of if you were looking at either of those things being done well. Um, because I think at the end of the day, we are we are talking about working with building relationships with and motivating people. And that's yeah. true whether those people are paid or unpaid. Okay. Um, I think what is different and perhaps unique about working with volunteers is that every time that person turns up, they are choosing to be there. Fine. They are there through free choice. Yeah. Um, they're making a positive decision to be there. They're not compelled to be yeah. there. Um, and I often say, you know, when you're when you're working with volunteers, in some ways, all you have is the carrot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, your stick is that you could you can potentially take away that opportunity to volunteer. Yes. Okay. Um, Which is a valuable thing in itself for a lot of people, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. But a lot of the time, what we are focusing on is working with motivations um, and on building positive motivating relationships yeah okay. um and also actually being really curious about the whole person um okay. and the other contexts as well in their life and i think that's perhaps something which makes it different uh, yeah. okay. from from how we might conceive of our relationships with paid staff yeah um i think we'd be more active in that curiosity with volunteers okay. of understanding the other contexts that they're operating in and how those contexts relate back sure um to the the work as a volunteer that they'll be doing with our organization so i guess following up on that in your experience do you think that as somebody managing volunteers you end up with a deeper relationship with them a deeper understanding of who they are than you would maybe with paid staff I think a real skill for volunteer managers and one that perhaps we undervalue um, is our ability to do that with a huge number of people. 
to, what, what to, sort of... and to create depth and trust quickly yeah um and then almost to broker so to have this deep understanding of our organization um yeah. and of roles within our organization and of what would be helpful yeah and combining that with an, an ability to very quickly gain a deep understanding of a person and yeah. be able to see whether we'll be a good match and a good fit within the Fine. organization and i think one of the beauties about working with volunteers is that you do have potentially more flexibility okay so actually if you're working in an organization where there's a good culture around volunteering um you can potentially build roles around people I see what you mean. So you're not structured by the, the sort of organisational artefacts and structures. Well, and the role description, things. people tend to be more open to role descriptions, yeah. um, uh, job design, effectively, and crafting yeah. it something that's more suitable for the person. You can, you might co-create that with the volunteer. I right. mean, in organisations I've worked in, I've often had a mixture. So I might have um, roles that are more set, um, okay. so that are established and where we're we're very clear about actually what we want and need and there's room for tweaking and room for maneuver within them yeah um but you know they're kind of established role, volunteer roles and they're not set in stone but they're they're kind of structured yeah, yeah. um and they're documented and things yeah. in a role description but then i would always have the flexibility that if somebody came and they had particular skills or particular interests mm-hmm. and actually um, that fitted with our organisation's objectives or our yeah. business plan, that we can actually look at co-creating a volunteer role yeah. for them. And I think that is something that's perhaps a little bit bit unique about working with volunteers. So do you think that um, volunteer managers get more freedom than traditional managers from their organisation to, to have more control over how that relationship is developed? So for, I'm thinking, for example, if I want to give someone a pay rise... Mm. Um, there are about five different hoops I'm going to have to jump through in most non-profit organisations. Mm. Chances are it won't happen. And if I so much as want to offer them flexible working, there's usually a huge number of pro- HR processes I have to go yeah. through to get that permission. Do you feel like volunteer managers are generally on balance given more freedom to do things like that? I'm pausing <laughs> because I'm not sure if there were a whole crowd of volunteer managers in the room that freedom is something a word that they would necessarily no, identify with what okay. word would they um, think? is I it think, a lack of interest I, yeah i think they might experience it sometimes as they're given freedom by mis- by, by mistake almost or they're given a level of freedom because there is an absence the, of there is an absence of scrutiny right. or interest sometimes Fine, in the okay. volunteer program what what i think can be useful though as a mm-hmm. volunteer manager is taking that freedom not getting too hung up with always asking for permission and really embracing the flexibility that that gives you and yeah. actually embracing as well the flexibility that not being governed by legal um processes yeah. and restrictions around you know in the same way that hr is what that gives you is a great ability as well to offer volunteers flexibility yeah um and also that the process shouldn't be bureaucratic i'm not saying this happens we have a lot of volunteer programs that are incredibly bureaucratic in this country partly because sometimes we try and mimic an hr model Mm -hmm. um and i'd argue that isn't really a good route to go down you want things to be you want there to be structure and for things to feel be well organized um, and structure is necessary you know to to support that but actually in terms of the person's experience you don't want that to be about paperwork you don't want to that to feel onerous and to be about bureaucracy you as the as the manager want to minimize their their experience of that really um and the focus should primarily be about about the person person to person relationship and the relationship between them and your organization's cause 
and their sense of the impact and the difference that they're going to make. Yeah. And I think volunteer managers can, you know, in, in some organisations, there is a really healthy interest in, in volunteering and yeah. actually CEOs get it and they get, you know, what helps to build a positive culture of volunteering. I think in quite a lot of organisations, there's perhaps not that much interest or there's okay. there's there's a wrong type of interest. Um, but I think potentially volunteer managers can use that to their advantage. So like Jane was saying, I think potentially you can use that freedom to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. certainly that's always how I saw it. But yeah. you know, as, as you know, yeah, better yeah. than anyone, Laura, give me a yard and I'll go and play with well, it. Well, and I think there is something to be said for, you know, like, you know, do something and apologise later. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, albeit yeah. not something really risky <laughs> in yeah. terms of people's lives. But, you know, do take a chance, develop something um, and apologise later. I'm also a great fan of the pilot. I used to spend my whole whole life talking about, why don't we just pilot yes, this? Okay. Why don't we just test it and try it? And then... Yeah. My um, pilot, when I used to work, use the word pilot, my, that was code to me of, well, I'm having a go at this. Yeah. And if it works, I'm just going to... You know, it's a way of... People will give you permission to do stuff as a pilot. They'll never yeah, give you yeah, permission, yeah. right? And in your head, it's not yeah. a pilot at all. You're like, it's going to yeah, work yeah, yeah. and it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. So just a quick question, picking up on that. Where good organisations mm. are doing this really well, do you ever get a sense that staff who are paid are like, the volunteers have got a better culture? And kind of, I wish I wish, I wish, wish HR would treat us the way we treat our volunteers. Or is it mostly that you see it the other way around, where the staff are treated better than the volunteers or mm. have a better culture? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure that I've seen it where staff are, are thinking the volunteers have got it better. I don't know if I've actually witnessed a situation mm. where, where people would act, actually say that. Um, I think I've seen quite a lot of places where volunteers would definitely say that, that staff are much more valued, yeah. staff are given more autonomy, staff are um, trusted with more responsibility, yeah. invested more in terms of their development. Um, so it's, just, it's interesting isn't it because I just I'm thinking about an organisation I used to work at which works with young volunteers and I remember having a couple of conversations with staff who were of similar age mm. to some of the volunteers and the staff were like you spend so much more time supporting the volunteers mm. and I had to explain to them because the programme we were running was about mm. youth development it was that they were also beneficiaries mm. and therefore that was the cause mm. but to the other 23 year old sitting in the room who's the same age they're like well why am I not a beneficiary yeah. just because I'm being paid you're still developing and, me and, yeah. and that's a hard conversation and I think it's an interesting question though as well in terms of thinking about how we motivate and manage and lead paid staff Yeah. because yeah. I sometimes wonder actually would that benefit from more of this kind of curiosity about people yeah. from more of this kind of attention to the con different contexts that people operate within yeah. more focus on how we communicate about impact as well, yeah, um, which and, I would say yeah. is so key to volunteer motivation, communicating about purpose, impact, yeah. the difference that people have made and encouraging people to reflect on that. I think there's um, there's also things around flexibility. So yeah, yeah. a key challenge for volunteer managers today is, um, you know, people's lives are much more complex. Yeah. Um, people have, are often juggling multiple demands. It can be, you know, caring for young children, caring for elderly parents, um, paid work, volunteer work, mm. you know, there's, and also the world of paid work is, is much less stable. Yeah. So say when I started managing volunteers, um, you generally could split people into the people that are available in the evenings and the people that are available in the daytime. Okay. That is just not the same yeah. anymore because shift work is much more prevalent. Yeah. People work in a more flexible way yeah. um people take time out from work people change jobs more frequently they share childcare um, differently yeah. yeah so i think 
one of the one of the real challenges can be you feel like you're standing on constantly shifting sand, yeah. sands and it's sort of navigating your way through that without it descending into chaos. Yes. And it's never going to, well, it's rarely going to be the number one priority in someone's life the way their job is because it's yeah. not also providing them with the security of yeah. income yeah. and There's safety and everything. So often sense. people have to potentially prioritise paid work uh, yeah. um, over it. Um, I think what happens when you're in on these shifting sands is people can sometimes think, I need to get control of this. Yes. And they drop a whole load of kind of systems and processes and procedures yes, onto yes, yes, it. an obligation and try and create that. Yeah, and almost trying to mimic that yeah. paid staff relationship. But what we generally find is it just doesn't work. And yeah. actually, there's been a report recently, um, NCDO interviewed, I think it's around 10,000 people who are um, volunteers and surveyed them. And one of the things that they found was off-putting for people about volunteering was when it starts to look too much like the formality of yeah. paid work and the kind of expectations of yeah. it. So they're sort of mimicking those processes and the paperwork and the procedures that um, are part of that. And I think, and also around volunteering potentially taking up too much time. Okay. So the other thing is, you know, if you look at things like the community life survey, the number one reason around why people say they've stopped volunteering is around you know changes in their availability and yeah. and lack of time so i think as a volunteer manager you sort of need to be respectful of the fact that actually this is often one of many priorities yeah. in somebody's life that will vary from individual to individual yeah. and it will vary at different points in that person's life yeah over their, the length of their relationship with um, you so in some ways um you need to be able to offer that flexibility yeah. otherwise you potentially will have them for a very short window of time and then they might then they will, might have to completely disengage. Whereas actually often what you're wanting to do is create conditions with enough flexibility in them that the volunteering can sort of ebb and flow throughout their life, throughout their life journey. Yeah, or that yeah. the relationship with the organisation might take different forms throughout that person's life journey. And so rather than a trajectory of sort of onwards and upwards, we might yeah. think of it like a line going, you know, like we think about engagement, we might yeah. think, oh, we start off like down near the bottom of a graph and then it would be going in this straight line going yeah. upwards. Around volunteering, you're much more likely to see it's almost like a river kind of winding yeah. um, and that at different points in people's life, life cycle or life journey, yeah. they'll be engaging in different ways and to different extents. Well, you see that sport is an astonishing example of where we see that consistently because we see people uh, towards the end of their youth starting to get volunteer training, uh, mm. leadership training, they start to do be active. And then they will quite often disappear. And there was, for a long time, we talked about the drop-off in volunteers from, you know, where were they in their 20s and all of that. Mm. It's like, well, that's what they, it's, it's the same as life, right? Mm. And it's the same as work and all mm. of those things. They're going away and then they have children and then they see that there's a benefit because they want to put something back because their kids are accessing mm. the sport. So they come back to helping. Yeah. And I think, I think we talk about it a lot. And I think the extraordinary thing is that the bit different that I think is amazing is organisations have to think far more long term, mm. I think, about their relationship with the volunteer. Mm. So be really long termist about it. Think of it as a, the, the dream scenario is that if you're a small local club, let's go with sports clubs because that's what mm. I know. You could have a 40 year relationship, but that might have 20 years in the middle when you don't yes. see them. Yeah. Yes, 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 and yes, you yes, have yes. to think long term about it because yeah. that's unlikely to be the same. Yeah. Generally, paid staff don't tend to work yeah. because there's a lot more options. Yeah. I sort of tend to say it's like, you know, the, the volunteering might not last forever, but the relationship might last a lifetime. Yeah. And you oh, know, like that. That, that kind of giving, that giving back might take different forms at different points, um, different points in someone's life. I was just going to say something else around, um, around pleasure. Okay. And I think that something that is really 
important around volunteering and arguably around paid work as well yeah. but, it's, but we sort of can forget sometimes to give attention to it because it almost seems superficial but actually is that it is pleasurable yeah and that it is enjoyable and again this came out very clearly actually in the, the time well spent surveys you know that is that is one of the reasons why people are likely to continue volunteering is if it is enjoyable now it's such a simple concept in a way isn't it's it? so basic right but like you but said we, we lose sight of it and i think sometimes we can almost be um we almost can feel like it trivializes it somehow to to focus on enjoyment and pleasure yes, yes. um we or, should have a or that purpose, we should right? feel guilty about yeah. enjoying yeah. something that's also meant to be doing something yeah. meaningful and, and good yeah making a difference or how, you know that it's making a difference to other people's lives and it's about yeah. giving but actually also that that pleasure and enjoyment from the point of view of the volunteer yeah. is really key um and so that then actually at the time got me thinking about yeah well where is that in paid work as well and well it's a great question it's a really great question it makes me think i wonder if you looked at what good volunteer uh, managers are trying to do to continue their engagement of their volunteers and you applied it to paid staff ultimately i suspect you might end up seeing your retention levels go up yeah the only difference is, as a volunteer, there is less reason for me to stay if I'm not happy. Yeah. Right? Mm. To me, if you're a paid staff, there are other reasons I might stick it out because mm. I like the people, mm. because I'm getting paid well, because it feels job secure, because the benefits are good, yeah, because there's flexible working. It, yeah. Whatever, Whereas as a volunteer, I suspect there's a lot less of that and it's a lot mm. more, I just, no, I'm not putting up with this. Yeah. Yeah. But what that might do is then tell HR managers of, eight, of paid staff, well, hang on. But do you really want your staff there because of those reasons? Absolutely. Or do you want them because they want to be there? Yeah. Because wouldn't it be a wonderful world? And I, I, I appreciate this. Is, I'm hugely lucky to be even close to this situation. But wouldn't it be a wonderful world if the work that we did was the work that we wanted to do all the time? Well, if I say and if you find it, you're never working again, right? That's what it is. If you find what you love and do that, then it stops. It makes work. you wonder. When I was a kid, I remember my dad saying, to, sorry, dad. But I remember my dad saying to me that, um, uh, when was I going to get a real job? Yeah. Mm. Right? And it makes me realise there's something in that that's almost like you, you we, we, we shouldn't expect to enjoy our work. Mm, yes. There should be, there's work, a duty to duty. suffer. It's yeah. not work if it's pleasurable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There, yeah. There's that sort of belief that we have. Yeah. Which I think is challenging. Um, I was just going to say, so, so as you've been speaking through that, kind of to your point, Jane, I captured some of the things that I thought were really good takeaways in terms of lessons potentially that um, more uh, sort of paid organisations could take away. And my sense is that a lot of these organizations are kind of trying to do this mm. already, but maybe not doing it as well. So I was just going to run through them. So the one, one of the things you said early on that I really liked was about the importance of a depth of personal relationship. Right? So building those bonds seems like a really important thing. And that's a very human connecting type of behavior that I think in certainly my sector, a lot of leaders and managers don't, mm. um, don't invest the time in and, and probably don't really have the skills or the comfort to do. Um, I guess just on that, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily, and it's not necessarily about having a friendship yeah. or a friendship. It's it's about friendliness, but not yeah. necessarily about having, it doesn't mean you have to then be going out for drinks with that no, person, no, no. but it's about being able to sort of, within the, a work context, cultivate that sort of um, sensitivity and, and yeah, depth of, yeah, it? it's kind yeah. of like That's a it. very human type of relationship. Do you think that therefore means that it's harder for volunteer managers to maintain the boundaries between uh, themselves and fellow workers in inverted commas or volunteers as opposed to paid staff who already have that context of this is work. Does it sometimes bleed? 
I think that's a skill you have to have yeah. to be an effective volunteer manager. I think you have to be able to navigate. It's like walking a tightrope yeah. between um, it not slipping into just being a personal relationship yeah. Yeah. Um, and there being a boundary there, there being a line there, but that being different perhaps yeah. in the level of formalization it's almost like you don't have formalization to hide behind you don't yes. have bureaucracy yes, 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 to yes, hide yes. behind um you need to be managing it on the relational level yeah um and in some ways it's it's slightly intangible yeah. and i think that's what can make it challenging well i think it's interesting so i think that's become harder for paid staff too now with social media mm. so I, I, i'm really interested where do you stand on how volunteer managers um you know, if you if your volunteers invite you to be friends on Facebook, for example, let's say, how do you manage that? And and is that the same, James, to you as paid managers? You know, is it still is it still the same debate, or is it different? Does it have yeah. different context for volunteers? I think, I think it depends on the type of organisation you work for, yeah, and what the culture is within that organisation around those types of connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that will vary, and it and it sometimes depends on as well the sector you work in. Yeah. So I my. Um, the last organisation I worked for was um, it was a health and social care charity. So actually, that thing around boundaries was yeah. very kind of prevalent in my mind. And mm-hmm. um, we also had a lot of people who both used our services and also volunteered with us. So Fine. again, there was a blurring there around roles. Mm-hmm. So actually, I was conscious that if I friended somebody on Facebook, that person was also someone who was using our services. So there was there were yeah, additional really issue, boundary issues. Um, so I think. It, it is context specific in some ways and okay. dependent on the culture within the organisation we have to remember as well that in a lot of organisations they are solely staffed by volunteers yeah. Yeah. so a lot of micro and small charities by far the majority yeah yeah I mean, they it's, are. it's insane it's like 70% isn't yeah. it so you know we can talk about these boundaries you know all these yeah. rules but yeah. actually if you're in an organisation where it's all volunteers how does that yeah. how does that work so I think I try and avoid having kind of rigid rules about it yeah. because I think it is context specific for me personally yeah. how I managed it so that I had some separation between my work and my personal life is that I wouldn't yeah. I would, and I yeah, would yeah, yeah. message someone back if they sent me an invite on Facebook and, and say explain a little yeah. bit about why that was um, but you know I wasn't going to Accept yeah. their friend request because I also had to be mindful of what they might think if yeah, I just what's ignored the impact that. On that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just interested. Thank you. Um, I'm going to jump on. I've got another question that I wanted to tackle, um, and and I just wanted to to try and get your thoughts. So, in uh, in paid employment, we have all these tools that we can use. You know, you said you've only got a carrot, you don't have a stick. There are all the sticks mm. in in paid employment. How do you sort of manage if behaviours aren't to the level that you'd want or aren't appropriate amongst a volunteer population. Do you, how do you address that? So I guess you may still have a process that's written down. Um, a lot of organisations might call it like a problem-solving process okay. or a problem-solving procedure, but the language that's used within that would generally be um, perhaps softer or different to what you might have in a disciplinary procedure. Okay. Um, and that's again about it's it's about honouring that distinction, I guess, between the kind of paid employee relationship and the volunteer yeah. the voluntary relationship. Um, what I would say is that I think it's really, really key and important that issues are addressed with volunteers. Um, I Do think you see that happening all the time? I, I see a mixture. So I think sometimes organisations can um, approach things to for too formally too quickly with volunteers um not kind of having 
um, an open discussion with them about something and moving too quickly almost to quite a formal procedure with volunteers. Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> you might have organisations where um, they just avoid, they just they just do not want to address issues with volunteers and they actually don't necessarily want to invest the time and the resource in addressing issues with volunteers or um, helping volunteers to improve their performance or so change their behaviours. So them. what you can sometimes see happening is that organisations just won't call that person again. They won't okay. want... And I mean, I would say this is example of really bad I believe young people call it ghosting. <laughs> yeah, ghosting. Yeah. Been ghosting. So, you know, they just think, oh, they're only a volunteer. We just don't need to involve them anymore. Oh, um, and back to and there's no consequences of that. Um, you know, yeah. and... It happens though. Yeah. Or on the other hand, you can get a situation where people feel, this person's giving their time for free. I couldn't possibly fine, raise fine. an issue with them. And I guess them, you risk so losing them of, and you have all that yeah. stuff as well. And there's, so I was just going to add this one other thing, which is around when you're a membership organisation and that person is also... Uh, they're, they're it, your, it's a complete... They're your boss. Yeah, so when they're a trustee funny. or when you're a member yeah. organisation and they are effectively the, the reason you exist, there's this whole thing of, well, I should be doing it. If it's their organisation, I should be, mm. you know, somehow allowing them to this behave, which, by the way, is nonsense, obviously. But, but I, you see it consistently. Well, yeah. they're, they're on the member council. So they can, it's their organisation, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, okay. Um, I had one other question for you, and then I think we'll kind of head a little bit towards the end of this. Um, obviously, with paid staff, money's, you know, held out to be a motivator, right? And, and that affects um, how, how organisations work. What's your view of the role of, of money as a motivator? And, and how do you motivate people where money is off the table? Yeah. I think the issue around money, you know, money obviously is a driver, isn't it, in terms of us taking paid work and okay. staying with paid work, yeah. partly because we need it in order to survive in this world. We need that financial reward. Yeah. Um, I think something that, that I'm quite, that I've read a bit about over the last few years is just when we're thinking about values. Okay. So actually, if we're thinking about intrinsic and extrinsic values yeah so intrinsic values being those ones which are kind of like around belonging and meaning and mm -hmm. um you know i guess things like empowerment and development yeah um, and extrinsic being the ones that are more about wealth and yeah, status, your and, status power. and tell people that you've got the job title that means you're the best or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um just you know I'm, I'm head of podcasts yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be on my business card one day. And I guess you can see those those sets of values at play in both the world of paid work and yeah. in the world of volunteering as well. Because you could have um, people trying to motivate volunteers through appeals to extrin extrinsic yeah. values, not necessarily only intrinsic yeah, values. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and how would that and, uh, appear? What, what I, would... Well, I guess it might be about, um, you know, you'll be part of a... You could say you'll be part of an elite group or you'll be... Um, you know, I guess people some will... things like t-shirts could do that or identities oh. or rewards oh, the, the role yeah. of rewards and, yeah. and also symbolic symbolic history yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess also just um, it might be about you um, you know you're you're more likely to get a really high paid job if you come and do this volunteer role oh, yeah. so future um, deferred benefits yeah so I think that can happen in that world as well um, I guess I'm interested in those kind of intrinsic values yeah. because some of the research I've read talks about the fact that if we are engaging one group of values, the other becomes 
kind of moves into the background. Yeah. So actually, if you're receiving a lot of messages or the culture in an organisation is focused on extrinsic values, yeah. intrinsic values will move more into the background. Yeah. So I then think this is interesting when we're thinking about some of the culture we want to create in organisations yeah. and to help people work effectively together. Yeah. Actually, how is that helped or hindered yeah. by appeals or communications um, or working a lot with what we think of people's motivations around extrinsic values. Yes, okay. Um, so on the one hand, we're wanting to create this culture which is about all these intrinsic things, yeah. which is, and say in the charity sector, that would be about, you know, about helping others, yeah, about, yeah, core purpose, you know, right. creating a better world. Yeah. And also you would hope that within, there'd be a, you're trying to create a healthy culture within the organisation yeah. as well. But then if you're appealing, if your messaging on some level is, is connecting with people around more of those extrinsic things like money, yeah. status, you know, hierarchy, yeah. power o- power over others rather yeah, than power yeah, yeah. with others. Um, the two things that are potentially at loggerheads and yes. are contradictory. Well, it's really interesting because um, the research that I did with an organisation a couple of years ago with volunteers suggests that intrinsic reason, intrinsic motivations are the reason people come mm. and failure to meet the basic bottom level of extrinsic motivations mm. is the reason people leave. So it's um, a sort of hygiene approach to it's it's really similar to Hertzberg's hygiene, which is the theory that people won't leave volunteering because they don't have the best kit. But yeah. if their basic expenses aren't being met yeah. consistently, yeah. then no matter how happy you make them for serving their beneficiaries, they just won't stick it. Yeah. And I also think it's the other thing... a little thing, bit Maslow, Maslow's yeah. Yeah. Like oh, needs, isn't it? Yeah. Although, although Maslow, well, Maslow's a little bit dodgy. It's also interesting in terms of the time well spent report because what that, what that showed was around people's intention to stay um, was negatively impacted on by um, volunteering not being well organised, for oh, example. Yeah, yeah. Or okay. people being expected to give too much time. Or yeah. badly communicated shifts, last minute shifts. Yeah. Um, constantly being let down having to cover other people all of those really practical stuff yeah and um, the only thing i would say just to come back to the thing i think what you were saying was really interesting about them coming to the foreground yep. and moving behind i think that's interesting the Agreed. number of times i have seen people who are intrinsically motivated pushed out mm. pushed out's an interesting word because they've left by choice but it's because they felt excluded because a group of people who are extrinsically motivated, they like the power, they're yeah. on regional councils, for example, mm. or they're on working groups. Mm. And because that's what feeds them, they have failed to understand what the other volunteers want. Mm. And those other volunteers have said, well, this isn't for me anymore. Mm. Because yeah. I don't recognise this. This is not why I got yeah, involved. Yeah, you've got your values conflict. And so you end up with friction between the volunteers. Mm. And I think, I mean, it also raises that, that interesting point about how you manage and lead a team of people who will have many and varied motivations yes um, and who will be coming and giving commitments of varying lengths of time as well so you may have i'd say as a volunteer manager or as a leader of volunteers you're attending to motivation that's happening on, a, on multiple levels as well so you're interested in what people might call those kind of self-serving motivations around you know somebody's coming they want experience for their cv or they want experience so they can get on a particular course or yeah um, so they've got personal drivers they, they, yeah, yeah they've got those drivers there and you're curious about that you're interested mm. in those because they're going to help you shape a positive volunteering experience for that person but you also really want to be paying attention to and cultivating um some motivation around your cause yes and and making a difference, how they're going to be making a difference. Um, and that is so key. And I think often people get a bit lost with this. 
people can get lost because actually you're having to work on multiple levels with multiple different people who are all individuals and yeah. who bring a different sense of meaning. What this volunteering means to them will be so individual. Yes. So you need some yes, time yes, yes. Um, to give them your attention to really understand that and to sometimes actually help them articulate that. Yeah, a little that bit. commonality. I, language I, is well, I think that's really interesting commonality. Go back to the episode, James, uh, that we did around bringing people together after division. Yes, totally. And I think there's loads of relevant yeah, stuff here. So really the, the most over. practical example I can give you is that when we did this research around volunteer, our, our group of volunteers that we were dealing with, generally the younger ones were motivated by similar things, uh, and younger by younger we were defining that as under 25. Um, so the younger ones were motivated by similar things, but there was an additional motivation which was about experience building um, and uh, experience in the workplace. Mm. Where that came to the fore, the volunteers that had been around for a lot longer and were in the older age brackets really struggled because they felt that there was a division in the reasons people were there. And the piece of work that most helped was finding the bits that they both recognised and using the common language yeah. that they had both used about their experience mm. of feeling satisfied mm. and worthwhile and like they were doing something to make them recognise that they may be different, mm. but they were more the same than different. Mm. And suddenly that conversation yeah. changed instantly because they were all in the room for the same, at least one reason the same. Yeah. I think as well, you know, just that thing of bringing a diversity of people together mm. around a common cause is so powerful. And often, in my experience, what tends to happen is that as the relationship builds with the organisation, with the cause, with other volunteers and staff within the organisation, the reasons why people are there shift and change. Mm. Yes. Um, and I think this is another, another learning, really, is just around... We often put in a lot of... I was talking to Joan about this earlier often at the start of a relationship yeah. it's a bit like when we first are dating somebody yeah. and we're really focused on them we're really interested yeah, yeah, we're yeah, kind yeah. of and like we're kind of on our best and we put a lot of effort yeah, in you yeah. know um and then it maybe also takes a lot of our attention when things are going wrong yeah but in the periods in between where things are going okay um we can sort of forget to remain curious you sort of habituate um, it and just and accept I think it and... this is true actually with volunteers as well yeah. we need to kind of be curious throughout their journey with our organization because actually the reasons why they're there will shift and change over time yeah so we need opportunities not only during the recruitment phase when there's often intensive interest <laughs> you know in yeah. the person um and sort of scrutiny of them sometimes um but also throughout the the lifetime of their involvement with our organization and it can also lead to this tension sometimes yeah. where volunteers that have been there more longer term can feel sometimes undervalued compared to the experience of newer recruits of or course, people yeah. that yeah. are coming in so we've got no we had a whole conversation with our board and we explained it to them we had to explain it get this it's terrible what we did like your utility bills oh, that's exactly what i was so thinking so you know when say, you find out there's deals on the mar <laughs> yes. on the market for new like getting your broadband for half price new yes. customer and it goes it back to sense. almost the biblical lost sheep moment yeah. a lost lost brother moment mm -hmm. where you're like why is he hang on he's, i've been with yeah. you 20 years yeah, yeah, yeah. and i i do get that sense and i think for me that is an extraordinarily important lesson for people managing paid staff mm -hmm. as well because i have i, I uh one organization that's remained nameless that i worked out referred to me as a lifer Oh yes, yes. And without mm. question, it changed my perspective of the organisation mm. because the the point was I don't need to look after you as much and worry about whether you're going to go because you won't. That language and, exists in the corporate world. And so. that conversation, that conversation, that one minute conversation changed my mm. entire perspective on a lifetime career. Yeah, and it probably because stopped it, you being a lifer just by. I left. Yeah. I left eighteen yeah. months later because yeah. I suddenly thought I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. It's also, I think, interesting around how we value people's skills. So sometimes I've seen it happen in terms of 
actually we pay staff as well people come in and they are going to be the person that fixes yes. the organization and their skills at that point are very highly valued and prized right, okay. and talked about a lot within the team or by the person who's recruited them who's hired them um you know it's a huge amount of pressure on that person as well uh, yeah. i don't think it's a good practice at all but the impact for people who've been there for a lot there can be a thing where actually if somebody's there for longer and longer we just value we take for granted yes, more and more they're, they're invisible to some and extent. value less and yeah. less and i think we have to be so mindful of that with volunteers because actually they are the people who can then it can a it really erode somebody's confidence yeah. over time um and their sense of value within the organization um but also they can they can be the person that just suddenly leaves yeah they can just up and go yeah um well you know what i kind of think that we could talk about this for a long time and i think we, we might do it again what i thought we should probably do now is is just have a quick recap on some of the things i've been making a note as we go about some things that but I someone think, has yeah I know. although no where's my pen what right. are you doing laura me, so she's used to this yeah. she's used to my blank face <laughs> like what i was meant to take notes um so i thought i'd share some of those back and, and these feel like some really good takeaways to me, uh, in terms of things that people in any form of leadership or management can learn from the things that you've talked about. So I was just going to run through those quickly and then move on and start to close up um, the podcast here. So um, I've got about six or seven points, maybe a few more that I thought are worth calling out. One, um, depth of relationship is a power, powerful tool in terms of a motivating factor and in affecting individuals' behaviours. I think in organisations that I've worked in, that's not always um, an avenue that's pursued. So I think there's something powerful there. But with respect for boundaries. And absolutely. I think it's that it's twinned appropriate level. approach that yeah. I think is important. Yeah, um, I, I, absolutely. Uh, another thing I took away was you, you talked about how the experience that volunteers have is, is hugely powerful because they can walk away. So, so you want their experience to feel good. I think employee experience is a, an increasing phrase in, in, the, um, in the sort of more corporate, corporate world. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some definite crossovers there that are really interesting. I think onboarding in paid staff and uh, the recruitment process of volunteering, I having seen both of them fail, yeah. I think the similarity, I, I think you could sit an HR manager and a volunteer manager down in a room and I suspect between them they could hatch a much better plan for yeah. both of them. I think that makes sense. Um, another thing that, that you talked about that I really liked was around uh, sort of role creation and creating roles around people. Now that feels like it's perhaps a little bit more common in some of the volunteer organisations. I think um, the, the more corporate world aspires towards that, but doesn't always have the freedom and ability to do it. But I think that shift towards a, a sort of more agile capability type uh, management process is something people want to do. Um, I thought the stuff you said about the flexibility and agility of the volunteers in terms of their other commitments is something that I've seen coming through in the corporate world more. And, and people want to be more agile, but they're not very good at it. But I think there's some really good stuff in there. Um, I think you called out a point that people volunteer because they enjoy what they do. So I think that piece around pleasure is something that's really important. And I think people forget that in the corporate world, that though you're paying somebody, you still probably would get more out of them and they'd have a better experience if they enjoyed what they did. And it's got to be nicer from both perspectives to manage people who want to be there, right? Yeah. I mean, whether you're a volunteer manager or you're, an, you're an, a standard manager in a paid organisation, yeah. managing people who want to be in the room is a nice thing. And you'll have a better customer experience. Oh, you know, yeah, definitely. Kind of stuff, right? mm-hmm. yeah. um, the next thing I, I thought was interesting was you talked um, sort of, in, in my words, reinterpreting your words a bit, you talked a little bit about sort of motivation through recognition. So we talked about intrinsic and extrinsic, but there was a piece around you sort of create value through recognition of your volunteers in a way that doesn't always happen. So I think um, that sort of 
uh, I guess, yeah, recognition as a motivating factor feels like it's maybe more prevalent. Can I ask one question? Of Last course. question. What, uh, Laura, what's been the most successful uh, recognition tool or reward tool that you've seen used? I think, I think it's when it's linked to impact. Right. So okay. for me, in an organisation I used to work for, we ummed and ahed for ages about whether to have volunteer awards. Okay. Um, yeah. And in the end, we went with having annual volunteer awards. Um, but what we really emphasised and what was at the heart of it was the sense of the individual's impact, the right. difference that they had made. Yeah. Um, to the extent that we sent some of the, nom- the nominations that we'd received to the, all the volunteers that had been nominated so Fine. that they got that sense of others' words yeah. about yes. them. And I think there's lots of different ways you can recognise volunteers, you know, and, and reward volunteers. Um, but I would I would argue it, it should always in some ways be linked to impact yeah. Yeah, okay. and to okay. the difference that people make. Yeah, Good advice. Whether that's a sweatshirt or, you know, I think the conversation that you have around if you're giving someone a sweatshirt or a pin or whatever, I think it shouldn't just be thanks for 10 years service. Yes. No, it's you a, need to be vividly painting a picture of the difference yeah, that yeah, person's yeah, yeah. made yeah, through yeah. their actions. Well, and it's about, so for me, it's about, because it's interesting you do awards, which I'm, I'm assuming is public facing. I think mm. there is a public acknowledgement of we trust this person. This person is yeah. delivering something we can't do without them. And yeah. it's that bit that I think's, you know, that's the, the, so for young people, that's sweatshirt because it visibly puts them, they yeah. put it on yeah. and, and they are recognised by the people at the event as, as key. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, so so I think that's that piece around motivation is really powerful. We talked about extrinsic and intrinsic motivators, and I thought um, I thought it was great to reflect on both of those through the lens of volunteers because I think in paid organisations people often get hung up on things like job titles that are maybe more formal or salaries or things like that. But there are lots of mm-hmm. proxies that you can use to achieve both intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and the last thing that I, I thought was really interesting was about the need to stay in touch with your volunteers over their life cycle as they develop. And I think that's something that we don't do in organisations, um, or at least in my experience, not as much. That sort of checking in and tracking yeah. their life. Less... And also after they leave. I think this is an interesting yeah. thing about the point where people leave a job, for yeah. example. Um, and I'm curious about this as well in the charity sector, because I often think former employees, you yeah. know, how much attention is paid to that ongoing relationship after somebody leaves and their relationship with your cause. Yeah. And it's the same with, you know, with volunteers. It's like if, if somebody leaves as a volunteer, um, how do you recognise that there may still be a relationship with your cause and how do you support them to, yeah. to move into the realm of being a donor or to being an advocate for your organisation yeah. or even just those very informal ways that we all the word of mouth we all talk to our friends and family about our experiences yeah, of work and volunteering yeah. I'm, see I'm astonished by this because I have a living relationship with every organisation that I've ever worked mm-hmm. with to the point where I've got a text on my phone from two days ago which is a picture of a team none of whom I ever worked with but who know me from having worked there mm-hmm. saying oh we're celebrating this season right. and, and that's uh, so when people tell brilliant. me yeah. yeah but it's also because I'm nosy but <laughs> it is baffling to me when people tell me that doesn't happen yeah. because because the relationship I have with those organisations is, is a part of who I am mm. yeah. um, but that's probably because I over emotionalise work right and, and that person <laughs> is an ambassador and I think this is probably the same you know in the corporate world as well that person continues for better or worse to yes. be talk you know to yeah. talk about your organisation and to share about yeah. it Absolutely. you know yeah. well, on an ongoing basis yeah. and I think so that point at which people exit yeah. from a role um, 
I think we need often more resource and more um, more support, I guess, around managing that transition yeah. In, yeah. and that transition in the relationship. And I know that, that certainly from my experience, we put a lot of effort into exit interviews, understanding and doing all of that. And, and mm-hmm. things like alumni organisations uh, or um, groups and organisations or are things that organisations try and do, but they don't always do it very well. So it's like how to have a good ending yeah, and a good goodbye. So yeah. I think, yeah. and I think that is, that is really important actually, because a lot of the time with volunteering, we are also tuning in very much to people's emotions and feelings. Yeah. So I'm not saying that all the volunteering is just about feelings, but you know, that is there part and part of that enjoyment, that impact, that connection to your cause is often about feelings and emotions. Oh, yeah, and we need to pay attention to that yeah. at the point of the ending as well. Yeah. We want it to we be. We kind of want to leave a, the door open, don't you? you yeah. You want to close the door. Yeah. You want to leave the door open, and you want people to go away feeling like there has been. Um, a, this, this is the end of a chapter, but yes. it's not the end of the relationship. Yes, 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 yes. Do you yes. know what, James? What's that? There's a podcast in that. I think there is. The whole like, concept of leaving and how to have a good yeah. goodbye. I like that. Yeah, Can we call it good, that? A good goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's important, and I don't think we talk about it enough. Yeah. Okay. Good. So we've, as always, monstrously gone over time. Yeah. Thank you, Laura, um, for probably making us think a bit more yeah um it's it's kind of made me realize there's a lot more to the subject even than i thought yeah so that's cool james so it's, it's your first foray into into volunteer management yeah. i think it's, it's fascinating i mean you know I'm, I'm drawn towards the the i guess people side of leadership and management for a lot of the reasons that you've spoken about and about mm. um creating good working lives and experiences for the people that that do work um and a lot of the things that you've talked about i think contribute to that well and i think leaders and managers and paid organizations can create better outcomes for themselves and their people by adopting some of these things so i thought it was really interesting okay well hopefully our listeners have had something to take away whether they're working in the volunteer sector or not um laura you've obviously got a huge amount of uh experience in this area and you're so knowledge if people want to get in touch with you on twitter is there because we always tell people to come and talk to us about twitter Um, what's your do you have a handle so i have a handle which is lau H77. L-A-U-H-77. Uh, and I have a website, oh, which right. is um, laurahamiltonconsulting.com. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So oh, lovely. Feel free to connect with me and also ask any questions that you have. Cool. Um, and I guess thank you for having me because oh, cool. I also... Um, I also think it's really positive for there to be more learning between um, the different kind of fields of like HR and volunteer management. Um, and I think in some ways they're too, they exist too separately. Yeah. They're in, in separate domains. And yeah. there's a lot of useful learning for volunteer managers from the world of people management generally um, and leadership um, and vice versa. Yeah, and we, I think even we had, you and I were in a Twitter conversation with someone from the CIPD, right? Yeah. Who said, oh, this would be really good. We should be doing more of this. Um, so yes, yeah, so maybe we'll, we'll come back here again. Maybe we should bring the CIPD along next time. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Yeah, so, um, James, what do we have to do to wrap up? Remind uh, me. What we need to do is we need to say you can get in touch with us on our website. You can tweet us. At the Wow Podcast. You can sign up for our... Wow Mail. Wow Mail. Very at good. the website. Yep. Um, and it would be really good if you guys left us a review on iTunes. Um, give us stars, whatever you think. That would be great. Um, and I think that's it. Okay, so uh, thank you, Laura. Yeah, say goodbye. Thank Thank you. you. Big thank you. Bye, everyone. And it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Hi, thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. 
To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you. Thank you.